I'm going to be a little transparent with you this morning. <clears throat> I want you to turn in your Bibles to Second Kings chapter 19. Second Kings chapter 19. And sometimes as a pastor, you get uh, multiple messages um, that, that all come at various different times. And uh, the Lord had been working on uh, a message um, in my heart um, for a bit. I'm talking about some issues of Christian growth. And then the other day, in, in part of uh, the, uh, the process of studying this out, there was another passage that popped up, and, uh, and, uh, I just, man, I started, I started running after that like a dog with a bone. I mean, I was just, I was excited. I was happy. And, uh, I was going through and I, I got a sermon all put up, put together and things like that. And I'm like, Lord, is this the one you want me to do today? And, um, he had me write it all out, had me put it all down. Get all through that and then, then he gave me the answer. He said, nope, you're going back to the one that you studied. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so there was a little bit of a dilemma this morning, you know, going through and looking at the notes and looking at what God had started outlining in Scripture about, about Christian growth. And uh, I want to point some things out this morning. This might be a real short message. But there's a concept of when we start looking at our Christian life, how do we look at our growth? What do we, what do we look at in our life that clearly reveals that we're doing what God wants us to do? We often ask for indicators. Uh, we often ask for some sort of, uh, if you will, sometimes I dare say sign that we're doing whatever God wants us to do and we're doing it the right way and, and and we look for things like that. And I will tell you this, there is no greater indicator in the Christian's life than realizing that you bear fruit. That someone else has been blessed by that fruit that the Spirit has yielded in your life that you have turned and freely given to someone else. And there's no greater blessing than seeing, a, 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 whether it's a child, whether it's an adult, whether it's a friend or a family member, looking at the things that you have said, looking at the things that you have done, and you see that they, have, they now have a desire to seek and please the Lord. They have a desire to really truly want to do something for Christ, not for glory, not for accolades, not for applause, not for any of that, but truly, simply, because there's a love for the Savior, and they want to glorify the one that saved them. When that growth begins, when you see that happen in somebody's life, you begin to get excited 
Because the Lord has used you in that facility, that, that, that manner to, to, to bring that about. He's used you as a tree to, to yield that fruit that would be pleasing unto God that God would have in somebody else's life. In 2 Kings chapter 19, I want you to take a look here at verse 30. And here we find Hezekiah um, coming up after King uh, Ahaz and um, <clears throat> some things that happen. And obviously we know that the, the country, the nation at this point in time, divided and a huge element of it is under captivity and already in bondage. And we start seeing some signs coming, some things talking about, if you will, the end of what Israel is going to be, uh, them being carried away because of their, their, their unbelief, their sin, their wickedness, uh, their idolatry, their rebellion and stubbornness against God. What we find here in, in this passage, in verse 30, talking about a remnant. God deals with remnants. God deals with remnants. If you want to understand what a remnant looks like, go take a look at a quilt. It's a bunch of little remnants put together to, per, to, to make a design, to, to put something together. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I dare say that that's a lot of what the Christian life looks like. Quilting. I don't know a lot about quilting. I I, I, I couldn't tell you the first thing about it. All I know is I look at it and I see a bunch of pieces of fabric that somebody has sat down and found a pattern and they decided that this looks perfect and this looks beautiful and they put it together with all these little remnants and all these little pieces and create something that is that is beautiful. And I see God doing that with remnants. He always uses small amounts. Small amounts. 300 with Gideon rather than 30,000 plus. Small remnant with the nation of Israel in the end that is going to come out of that tribulation, that is going to have that desire that he wanted with the nation of Israel, that's going to be serving him, pleasing him, loving him, following after him. And in verse 30 here it says, And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Take fruit down, or take root downward and bear fruit Upward. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. I thank you again, Lord, for what you teach us from your word. And I pray that this morning, Lord, you just be with me and speak through me, that all of this would be pleasing and honoring unto you. But Lord, I pray that each one of our hearts would be receptive, ready to receive. We would understand, Lord, that we need to grow in you. That we would understand, Lord, where our root is found. That we would understand that that fruit that we bear... It's for your glory, honor, and praise. And Lord, may we have a desire to do so in our Christian life, that we would be servants of you. We would truly be saints that behave that way, that we would be truly said to be Christians that follow you, your teaching, your doctrines, in order to bring you that praise and glory. Thank you again for all you've done for us. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we find very clearly that the Lord's talking about the principle of what a tree is. Now, obviously, we know that God sees men as trees. This is how he views us. He views us bearing fruit. 
He views us taking root. He views us in such a way that he looks at it, if you will, as a husbandman with a vine and with a vineyard, with an orchard, with, with, with some way where he's investing that care and that concern and feeding and doing all of those things for the purpose of growth, for the purpose of yielding fruit. And the issue with the nation of Israel is that they were not bearing fruit. And the issue with the nation of Israel is that they had no root in God. If you go over to uh, Mark chapter 11, we find something very curious in Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, as Jesus Christ is walking along the way in verse 12, and it says, And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of the figs was not yet. Mark chapter 11, verse 12 and 13. Jesus Christ is walking along, and what does he see? He sees a tree. He's hungry. He wants a fig. He goes over expecting to get a fig off of it. He goes up, comes up to it, and there's nothing on it. It's fruitless. It's fruitless. This was, if you will, a picture of the nation of Israel at that time. They were not yielding fruit. They claimed to have a root in God. They, they claimed to, to, to be healthy, and they may have looked that way. But it was a, it was a fruit tree that was failing in its purpose. It was a fruit tree that was not yielding the fruit that it was supposed to. And when we take a look at our Christian life and, and we take a look at what, you know, parallels to, to Israel here, he's saying there's supposed to be a root downward and they're supposed to be bearing fruit upward as into God. But sometimes we think that we're grounded and we're rooted in the right way, but yet there's just no evidence of fruit in our life. There's no evidence that there's anything that is being shown forth that the Holy Spirit is working in us, that it's bearing fruit and affecting someone else. In the process of studying this, and I was gonna, we'll take a look at another passage here in just a minute, but, but as we, as in the process of studying this, I came across this, uh, this illustration that this man was talking about, and he was talking about, uh, over in Lebanon a few years ago, if you remember, there was this massive explosion. Everybody thought somebody dropped a bomb. Everybody thought something happened. But the fact was, is that there was a fire, and there was a fire in a warehouse, and whatever was in that warehouse detonated, and it created such a huge blast and a shockwave that it moved clouds out of the sky. If you watch it, there was overcast day. It moved the clouds away so you could see blue sky. It tipped over ships that were in the harbor, put them on their side, and sank them, destroyed everything around for miles, caused the death of hundreds, and caused the injuries of thousands. And as I was studying this, and this guy was talking about it, and he was relating it, if you will, to some things that happen in a Christian life. You know what it was that blew up? Ammonium nitrate. Fertilizer. Fertilizer. 
And for some strange reason, uh, this fertilizer was there, and, and, and rather than using what fertilizer is meant for, which is crops, to get things to grow, they decided to store it in a warehouse. And it's already unstable as it is, and you leave it sit there for long enough, eventually something's going to happen, and there might be a little bit of it where it heats up, and then once it catches on fire, it just it's a cascading reaction. And the next thing you have is you have an explosion like that. An explosion. And he made this correlation. He said that's like when we receive blessings from God. That's like when we receive, if you will, the fruit from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we take all of that stuff inside and we don't do anything with it and we store it there and we don't distribute it the way that we're supposed to. The end result is, is it rather than freely giving it out, rather than giving out those things to help people grow and to, to get them to uh, uh, grow in Christ and get them to spiritually mature, rather than doing those things, we hoard it unto ourselves and the next thing you know is we blow up. And when we blow up, it doesn't just affect us. Affects everyone around us. And I find the same thing to be true that when we are, are, are trees that have leaves but no fruit, we don't have the effect that God is intending for us to have in everyone else's life. Turn over to the book of Luke. Luke, which is right next to, to the book of Mark, in Luke chapter thir- 13. Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> and here he has a, a parable that Christ is talking about. And in verse 6 he says, He spake also this parable, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And he said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? Like, why is it even here? Get rid of it. And it says, And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Here's this individual, he's desiring to, to see some, some of this. He's invested a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of uh, patience with this tree, trying to get it to bear fruit. And the Lord of the vineyard comes along and says, this is just a waste of time. Get rid of the thing. And he says, give me one more year, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to dig. I'm going to dig. And I want to point this out this morning. The reason the nation of Israel was not yielding any fruit on its tree. The reason why he said over there in 2 Kings that eventually there would be a remnant that bears root downward, excuse me, that that is rooted downward and bears fruit upward. The reason is, is because there's a problem at the roots. There's a problem at the roots. Sometimes individuals will take a look at trees or they'll take a look at uh, uh, some sort of plant and they'll wonder why it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And many times it might be that it's just either A, in the wrong pot, in the wrong type of ground, that the roots are not healthy. And people will pull it up and they'll take a look at those roots and they'll break them up and they'll look at those roots and those roots should be good and green and healthy and hardy. But if they pull them out and they're filled with mold and they're mushy and they're yucky, there's a reason why that tree is not bearing fruit. 
There's a reason why that tree is not growing the way it's supposed to. There's something wrong at the heart of the issue. There's something wrong at the heart of the issue. Let's go back over there to the book of Mark this time. Just flip over a couple more to chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And we see here this parable that is being given about the parable of the sower. And he goes around and this farmer is planting seeds. And as he's planting these seeds, some seeds are in the right ground and some seeds are in the wrong ground. And interestingly enough, we find that 25% of them actually find the right ground. 75% of it, there's no growth. Well, why is that? Why is that? We go down here and we find in 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 uh, this chapter, in verse 3, it says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. So they didn't even have a chance. They didn't even have a chance. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately sprang up, because it had no depth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. Other fell on good ground and yielded, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth, uh, some thirty and some sixty and some hundred. And he gives the understanding of it and he's saying, look, that seed is the word of God. That seed is the word of God. Now the word of God has a, a, a if you will, a dualistic meaning. Not only does it talk about the things that are found in Scripture itself, but it talks about Jesus Christ and who He is. In John chapter 1, verse 1, the name of God, the name of, of Jesus Christ is given as the Word. It's reiterated over in 1 John. And again, we find the Word becoming flesh, dwelling among us and giving His life for our sins, that we may have an eternal home in heaven with Him, with forgiveness of sins. And we realize that there's that word that needs to take root in our life. Jesus Christ really needs to take root in our life. And if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's some root that is taking place. But for some people, that root just doesn't get there. Never gets an opportunity to grow. Snatched away. Something else happens. Maybe it does get some root, but it falls among the wrong crowd. It falls among the wrong influences. And the the, the things of the world choke it out so that there's no fruit that is being born on on behalf of Christ. And some, some just, it it looks like it's going to do something. It looks like it might be the case, but there was really no root to begin with. It never really went down full. Those sometimes are people that t- try to take the things of Christ and use them in a physical form to, to quote-unquote better themselves. Well, I will tell you this, there is no betterment of ourselves. 
The only betterment that we will ever have is when we found our, find our life solely in Jesus Christ and Him alone, and we follow after Him wholeheartedly to do His will, to do His commandments, regardless of the outcome to self. But what we find in this passage is we find that he's talking about the roots here again. And he says some in in verse six, he says there was no root. It withered away. It withered away. The other ones that were choked out, they had no, no, no fruit that was being born. Because again, something else was taking all the nutrients away from the roots. And it wasn't a healthy plant. It wasn't a healthy tree. It wasn't yielding anything that was a healthy, uh, 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 you know, uh, contributing bush in, in this, this, this farmer's land. It didn't do anything. And what we find is that it comes down to the root of the issue. The root of the issue. The root of the issue is whether or not we are going to allow the Word of God to actually have an impact in our life. That's what it boils down to. Are we going to allow what we read in Scripture, what we hear in Scripture, the principles that we see that God wants us to do, obedience, faith, Grace, mercy, all the things that we find in Scripture, charity, forgiveness, all of this, is there really truly an effect of those things in our life? And if we look at ourselves and we begin to to critically look at, am I bearing fruit for Christ, or am I just occupying ground? That's an occupation. He doesn't call us to an occupation. He calls us to a vocation. There's a difference. A big difference. One is just simply occupying space and time for the purpose of not lot. So when people say, you know, what you're gonna, what's your occupation? They're basically saying, what takes up your time? What takes up your time? But a vocation has a different meaning. It means that you're doing it for a purpose, you're doing it for a reason, you're doing it with the intent to produce something that isn't just a time clock puncher. And what we find is that God has this desire in our life to yield these things. To yield these things. To not be fruitless. To not be, to, to, to not be this way that we're without any type of evidence of the Spirit working in our life, that we're, we're not sitting there looking at our, 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 our life saying, I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to be here and, and just, and just grow and, and be green and not yield anything for the glory of God. And what God has to do is just like that vine dresser, He's got to go in there and what does He have to do? He has to move away some of those things of the world, the dirt, the earth. And he begins to get down and he starts looking at the condition of the roots and he begins to apply the right amount of what we need to our roots to affect the rest of what we do in our life. The Word of God is what does that. The Word of God is what comes in and affects our roots and affects the whole of our body. 
If we are not doing what we want to do, and we are not doing what we should do, but we wind up doing that which we shouldn't do, as Paul says in Romans 7, then we have an issue where we have to address the heart. We have to address what is there, what is going on, what needs to be exposed. I've got to take a look at what is the condition of the root. What is my relationship with Jesus Christ? What is my relationship with the Savior? Is it, well, hey, he saved me and, you know, I kind of love him and, you know, things like that. And it's like, ah, yeah, we're best buds. This is God we're talking about. When we come to the Lord, we should come and we should fall down on our face and we should worship him and we should walk away changed. When we sit down and we read our Bibles, we should walk away changed. When we come to church and we walk out these doors, it shouldn't be, oh, hey, you know, he's finally done. I get to go over to Mod Pizza and get my pizza now. I get to go over to Taco Bell and fill my belly with a burrito. No. We should walk away changed. There should be an application of the Word of God in our hearts that promotes growth for the purpose of God's glory. We are not bringing God glory if we are not yielding fruit. And remember, fruit isn't for the benefit of the tree. Fruit isn't for the benefit of the tree. If we live our life in a selfish desire and we live our life for ourselves and it's about me and what I want and all of this and all that, then I dare say we do not understand the relationship that we're supposed to have with Jesus Christ. We don't see the impact he's having. Turn over to the book of Romans. Romans uh, chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, you just kind of head to the the right of the book of uh, Luke and Mark, where we were. Romans chapter 11. <clears throat> and Paul talks a lot about root. And in verse 8 here of this... Um, let's see here. Um, excuse me, verse 18... In this passage, and, and, and uh, he says here in verse uh, 18 of Romans 11, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. When we start looking at how we look at these things in our Christian life, I'll tell you, one of the things that's going to affect the root is going to be pride. Pride. You know what causes root to wither really quickly? Ourselves. Ourselves. God cannot stand pride. That proud look, he says, is an abomination to him. 
You know, anything that we have, we have of God. The ability to stand, the ability to breathe, the ability for our body to even function, the ability for our cells to replicate themselves and continue to go through the process of replacement and healing and all of those things, the ability to intake food and use it for our nutrition so that we can get through the day on a day-to-day, you know, on a day-to-day basis. That's all of God. Any talent that we have, that's from God. Yeah, but I learned all those things. Who gave you the ability to learn them? God. God. I'm going to talk about Dale for a minute. He was here yesterday. We had the piano delivered. He came over to play it, make sure everything was good. I'm sitting here and... I get my own private piano concert. It's cool. And uh, the Lord has given Dale an amazing talent. An amazing ability. But I'll tell you, he'll be the first one to tell you it's God. It's not him. He gets up here and he played that special. He played it for the glory of God. He didn't play it as a performance piece to bring accolades upon himself. He played it for the purpose that it would bring glory, honor, and praise to God, talking about the blessings and how we need to turn our eyes to our Savior. When a preacher gets up to preach, if he's got the right heart, he's not doing it for himself. He's not doing it so we can stand up here and, 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 you know, be this great orator and, and get all these speaking engagements and, and, and be able to go around and, 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 you know, just promote ourselves and things of that nature. So that we'll have a speaking circuit and we can make tons of money doing it. <laughs> yeah, that ain't happening. <clears throat> we'll talk to, uh, brother Tom Bard. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll tell you what it's really like. <laughs> Did years of evangelism. Lord's called him to a little church over there in New Hampshire now, and he's the pastor. And he's loving it. He loves it over there. But not doing it for ourselves. Elijah wasn't doing it because he wanted glory and fame. David wasn't being a king because he desired glory and fame. He desired simply God's heart. Paul wasn't sitting there trying to boast it. And as a matter of fact, in order to keep his pride in check, there was a messenger from Satan that was sent to buffet him, lest he should be exalted above measure, to keep him in check. And he praised God for that. He says, when I am weak, then he is strong. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. But here in, in this verse eight, 18, we see that one of the issues that we address is, is this, is this root can be affected by boasting, by pride. It can really truly hinder our purpose of bearing fruit. Turn a couple of pages over and go to the book of Colossians. Again, just to the right, another one of Paul's letters to a church. 
In Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians chapter 2 and in verse 6, he says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And he says, Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therewith with thanksgiving. Rooted in him. Rooted in him. And it's interesting to note that in this process of being rooted in him, there is an abounding of thanksgiving. One of the reasons why roots are not healthy is because they're not content. They're not thankful. The reason why the Word of God often doesn't have an effect in our hearts and the reason why we, we, we're not yielding the fruit that God has desired us to yield is because we simply are not content. We're, we're simply not willing to say to God, thank you for what you've given to me. If this is all you give me, this is all I need. But yet, you know, the thing is, is God always gives more. But sometimes people come to, uh, come to Him expecting more and more and more and more and more to the point of abuse. To the point of saying, well, you're here to give me everything that I want, God. Because it's my life. You give me what I want. You, you give me the job that I desire. You give me the income that I want. You give me the house that I want. You give me the car that I want. You give me the spouse that I want. You give me the children that I want. You give me the friends that I want. And we're not thankful. I often think about Jeremiah. Jeremiah, by fact, is probably the most unsuccessful preacher that has ever existed on the face of the earth. One convert. One. And he was content. Because he was doing God's purpose. He was doing what God wanted him to do. The same thing that we find with our, with our Christian life is sometimes we will find ourselves, we realize that maybe we're not giving thanks like we should be. We're not giving thanks in everything as he tells us to do over in 1 Thessalonians 5. We're not doing those things. The issue is, is, is we're not thankful for the fact that we are rooted in him. We want to be somewhere else. Well, the Christian life, you know, this is going to make me stand out. Not really. You know what stands out? Jesus Christ. Well, I'll be ostracized. I won't be accepted. I won't, I won't have friends. You know, I, I may not get the job that I want. Would we be just content being rooted in Him? Would we be content just having that growth in our life from Jesus Christ and from Him alone? 
So maybe we don't grow in our career, but we grow in Christ. Maybe we, we don't grow to have 5,000 real friends, not Facebook friends. Real friends. Maybe we don't grow to that. Maybe we have one or true, two. Maybe we've got just a small church of maybe less than a hundred believers that love and care and would be willing to pray and would be willing to, to, to work with you and help you and do all the things necessary. Would we be content with what God's given us? Would we be content with what God's given us? I want you to go to the middle of your Bible and find the book of Proverbs. And I want you to find Proverbs chapter 12. You find Psalms, you find Proverbs right next to it, obviously. And it's interesting, you take a look at Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, and you're going to find uh, three books that are going to give you some good foundation of Scripture. They're dictionaries, they're thesauruses, they're research material, they're doctrinal, they help you in your day-to-day life, they're applicational, they bring you comfort, they bring you peace, they bring you correction, instruction, and wisdom. But in Proverbs chapter 12, In verse 12 it says, The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. The root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. When a righteous man, or when I should say, when a man decides, a man or a woman decides to be righteous, they have to find out where righteousness is found. The only righteousness that we ever have is going to be found in Jesus Christ. Because Jeremiah says that, or excuse me, Isaiah says, our righteousness is, 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 is as filthy rags. So no matter how good we think we are, it's still going to be dirty and nasty. It's still going to be dirty and nasty. You ever have that happen before? You reach over and you think it's a clean towel or you think it's something that's clean or whatever. You reach over and you're at the workplace and you grab something and you're going to wipe something off and you pick it up and there's a smell that emanates from that rag. And you're like, Bleh. throw it down. Usually it's in the uh, the cafeteria or the break room or the lunchroom area. Somebody who's decided to wipe up their salmon mix, you know, a mess, and then somebody comes along and, and wipes up, you know, some of their spilled corn and they take it and they put it over there in the corner by the sink, thinking that somebody somehow magically is going to come along and you know, clean that up for them. And it sits there for a couple of days and it begins to grow some funk to it, right up to the point you reach over and you pick it up. And then pretty soon you don't want to eat <laughs> because of that thing. I remember when I had to do uh, the place where we were at, um, we had shared uh, lunchroom cleaning duties every Friday. Everybody had to do it. So there was the senior management, which meant the CEO could fa- be found at 4 o'clock on Friday in there pulling things out of the fridge. And I remember Jeff Meter pulling that thing out of the fridge. And I remember him looking at it one time going, 
I don't even know what this is. He's like, it's not even recognizable as food anymore. And immediately, you know what he understands? The people last Friday didn't do their job. If it has moved itself right and forming into some other substance of some nature, something was wrong with the process. Somebody didn't do a good job. And often is the case, this is what happens in our life. We try to bring something else that isn't righteous into our life to try to bring about that fruit. But the only way that the fruit is brought about is through the righteousness of Christ. Being rooted and grounded in Him. Being truly found as His servant. As His tree that bears fruit. And the one thing that we begin to see and we begin to understand with all of this is that if we desire to yield fruit, then the righteousness of Christ has to work in us. That the Spirit of God has to teach us and to show us. And we find the righteousness and the words of life right here. And we begin to see its impact in our roots. And we begin to see the application to where we need to dig it out and really get in there. And if you will, dung it and and really provide the fertilizers to get it to grow. Because we need to yield fruit for Christ. To not be just a fig tree that looks nice, but doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything. I want to turn to uh, a couple more passages, and I want to turn to the book of Jude. If you find the book of Revelation, which is the last one, Jude is right before it. Jude is right before it. And here he is talking about some individuals that do some things that are ungodly. And in uh, verse 9, there's an interesting little thing that happens here. It says, Yet, you know, my, uh, Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Michael and the archangel are fighting over Moses' body. That's creepy. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Even Michael, who was powerful, wasn't even fighting in his own power. He was fighting in the power of the Word of God. He says, But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Take a look at what he says here in verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain, Cain who killed his brother, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, Balaam being the false prophet that was used to bring uh, affliction to the nation of Israel. And perished in the gainsaying of Korah. And Korah was the individual that rebelled against Moses, rebelled against God, and said, I want to be the one that's in charge. And the Bible says that he was uh, went alive down into the pit as the earth opened up and swallowed them. In verse 12 it says, These are spots in your feasts of charity, when they feast among you, feeding themselves without fear, Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth. 
without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. And here he's saying this is the mentality of the wickedness. This is the mentality of those that are seeking things of their own selves, that are seeking to elevate themselves in a position, that are seeking to, uh, if you will, rebel against what God is saying, what God tells them to do. Every single last one of those individuals, Cain, Balaam, Korah, rebelled against the word of God. We come to this, we realize that this is what happens. When we rebel against the word of God, we are trees that wither, we're without fruit, we're twice dead, we're plucked up by the roots. The important message that I want to communicate this morning is this. In your Christian life, you should be seeking to find growth. You should be able to look at your life and say, am I growing for Jesus Christ? What am I doing? Am I yielding any results for Him? Now, that's a hard thing for us to do. But that's why we are to search, be searched and tried by God. Not by ourselves. While we examine ourselves, the examination standard is the Word of God. We ask, God has given me eternal life. God has given me a home in heaven. What am I doing with that? Look, if you know that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have forgiveness of sins. Let's set aside eternal life for right now. Let's set aside the home in heaven. Let's just focus on that one element, that one aspect. You have been forgiven of your sins. You do not have to pay for them. They are done away with. They are as far as east is from west. They are in the deepest sea. The God doesn't even remember them. He chooses to remember them no more. He won't bring them up to you again like the world does and like we do ourselves and like Satan frequently does as the accuser of brethren. What are you doing with that? That that thought right there, that doctrine right there should yield fruit. We should be telling people about Jesus Christ. We should be helping and encouraging and edifying other believers. Now look, I understand, you know, bringing a meal to them, that's great. That's a good thing to do. That's an awesome thing to do. Somebody's going through something, you bring them a meal, you help them out that way. But you know what they need? More than they need a pizza from Papa Murphy's, more than they need your casserole to give them comfort. They need comfort from the Holy Spirit of God. They need comfort from the Word. They need to know that that, that, that God cares. And sometimes they have to hear that from an external source that said that says, God will never leave you nor forsake you. God hears your cry. Turn to Him. That fruit that we yield, love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, uh, faith and temperance, against such there is no law. Those nine elements of that fruit, all there for the purpose of helping that fellow Christian, all there for telling somebody that they need a Savior and forgiveness of sins. Look, if God's not willing that they should perish, but all should come to repentance, we should take that as our own mantra. We should never desire anybody to go to hell. But we should desire all to be saved as He does. Now again, we know what happens. That seed's put forth, and not everybody receives it. But there will be those that do. And if you're here today and you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are now have Him rooted and grounded. You're being built up in Him. You're growing in Christ. What is the condition of the root? What is your relationship with Jesus Christ? If pride, unthankfulness, and desire for self is in that root system, you will not bear fruit for Jesus Christ. God wants us to bear fruit. The description of those that are wicked are those that don't bear fruit. The description of those that are in rebellion against God and His Word are those that don't bear fruit. As a Christian, we should seek to do that with our life to please Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him with everything that we do. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank You for this time, and I thank You again, Lord, for all that You've given to us from Your Word. I thank You again for this time that we have, Lord, to just think on what we need to be doing as far as Christians and how we yield fruit Are we yielding it for your glory, honor, and praise? Are we yielding it at all? And Lord, I pray again that you would just give us that desire in our heart. You give us that desire, Lord, for us to check our roots, to check our relationship with you, to see if there's anything that is hindering us from truly hearing you and growing in you. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've given to us. Above all, this salvation that we have through you. And this I ask with your, in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.